This episode of Fearless Rebel Radio is brought to you by You On Fire. You On Fire is the amazing 12-week online group coaching program that I run where we build up your worth from the ground up so that it's no longer hinging on the way that you look. It's got personalized coaching from me and incredible community support plus lifetime access. Get details on what's included in this program and sign up to be notified when doors open for the next cycle by going to summerinandin.com forward slash you on fire. I would love to have you in that program and in that group. This is Fearless Rebel Radio, a podcast about body positivity, self-worth, anti-dieting, and feminism. I am your host, Summer Inanin, a professionally trained coach specializing in body image, self-worth, and confidence, and the best-selling author of Body Image Remix. If you're ready to break free of societal standards and stop living behind the number on your scale, then you have come to the right place. Welcome to the show. This is episode 144, and this is another installment of Classic Rebel Radio, where we revisit an episode from the past while I'm on maternity leave. Today, we are revisiting the interview I did with Caroline Dooner, creator of The Fuck It Diet, who talks about her approach to making eating easy and more. And I'll be answering a listener question on whether mindful eating is important in order to heal your relationship with food. You can find all the links and resources mentioned, including a link to either order or pre-order, depending on the date that the book actually comes out, because at the <laughs> as of the airing of this podcast, we weren't totally sure, because I'm recording this in August, and this is airing in February. Um, but you can find a link to buy Caroline's book, The Fuck It Diet, which is going to be amazing. I can't wait to read it at summerinandin.com forward slash 144, including all the other links that are mentioned in this podcast as well. So yeah, in case you haven't heard, I'm on maternity leave until spring 2019. So the episodes you're hearing here originally aired in the first two seasons of the podcast. They're some of your favorites, and I hope you're enjoying listening to them again or hearing them for the first time. Before we begin, let me give a shout out to AJ who left this awesome review. Summer is such a natural and I love her podcast. She always keeps it real and gives excellent advice on how to improve your self-confidence and body image. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Short and sweet reviews are great. And you can leave one by heading to iTunes, searching for Fearless Rebel Radio, then click ratings and reviews and click to leave a review or give it a rating. In addition to that, take two seconds to subscribe to this show via iTunes or whatever platform you use so that you never miss an episode. And don't forget to grab the free 10 day body confidence makeover at summerinandin.com forward slash freebies with 10 steps to take right now to feel better in your body. Before we kick off this episode, two things. One, I'm going to listen, I'm going to answer a listener question about mindful eating. And then two, I just want to mention, so I listened to this episode again when I when I was prepping it for this series. And uh, there's some funny stuff in the show that I kept in and I asked Caroline about it, made sure she was cool with it too. First one is, we're referring to Caroline in this in this uh, show as Caroline Hagen. So at the time, in, back in 2014, that's how she was running the fuck it diet was under that name. And it was so it was separate from her real name, Caroline Dooner. And uh, I asked her why she did that. And she, her response was for the first couple of years, I didn't want my family or random acquaintances to know about the fuck it diet. So I made up a pen name inspired by Hagen does. So there's a fun fact. <laughs> about Caroline for you. And uh, so she's Caroline Dooner now. So disregard the Hagen that is mentioned in this in this episode, but I kept it in there anyways. Second thing is, I think we both say how much we love Janine Roth in this episode, which is kind of funny because Janine Roth has written some stuff that's been pretty fat phobic and really, you know, upholding diet culture in the la over the last year and maybe even before that. Uh, and so I think both of our feelings, I won't speak for Caroline, but I know my feelings on Janine Roth have changed in that, um, you know, I've been really disappointed with some of the stuff that she has posted in the last couple of years. And then the other thing that's kind of funny when I reflected on this episode is that we talk about Lena Dunham as if she's like the most revolutionary body positive person. <laughs> and in 2014, I feel like 
She kind of was. I know there were others, but I know there were, you know, like Virgie Tovar was out there and Jess Baker and others. Uh, but at the time, in terms of mainstream media, the stuff she was doing on girls was really revolutionary relative to other media. And so we kind of gushed about her in this episode, which is a little bit hilarious because since then, I think body positivity has gained traction and fat activists have larger platforms and, you know, there's shows like Dietland now and with Shrill coming into fruition, it gives, it actually is interesting to kind of look at where things were in 2014 versus where they are now in 2018 at the time of this recording and see that things really do evolve, albeit very slowly, they do evolve. And, and that really does give me hope for more, more leading roles that are led by people in, in fat bodies and more diversity on TV. I really hope we see that. So that's just another kind of funny thing I wanted to point out there as you re-listen to this episode. All right. So I uh, got a question from a listener here from KH. So her question is, how important or not do you think mindful eating is when trying to heal your relationship with food? I have found that mindful eating triggers memories of eating very slowly when I was in my restrictive phase and wanted to make meals last longer. Mindful eating also led me into the mindset of the hunger and fullness diet. When I'm trying to pay close attention to how I physically feel as I eat, I almost always end up judging rather than observing the experience. I become worried that I am too full and therefore have made a mistake. I also quite enjoy eating while reading or doing word puzzles, but sometimes feel guilty for doing so when I come across articles that demonize such behavior, insisting that eating mindfully without distractions is ideal. Okay, I love this question. Because I am pretty anti-mindful eating. Like, I'm I'm pro being mindful, but I'm anti-anything that creates rules around how you should be eating. And anything that makes eating more stressful, anything that makes you judge yourself while eating, anything that makes you think about food more is not going to be helpful. So I think that some people are going to benefit from mindful eating, from doing some of these practices, but a lot of people aren't. And if it's not working for you, don't do it because we can turn these things into rules and that makes the process of eating harder than it needs to be. If what you're doing isn't making eating easier, then you have to question like, why am I doing this? Maybe something's not working. And just because someone told you that maybe you should be doing that, that it's maybe not the right thing for you. So as I said, I think there are some instances and some individuals that may benefit from slowing down while eating or eating without distractions, whereas for others, it can trigger the diet mentality. And in this case, for KH, it is definitely not helpful. So I would ditch any mindful eating rules and just do what feels right for you. I personally eat distracted most of the time, whether it's reading articles on my iPad or watching TV. Sometimes I eat quickly because I don't have a lot of time and I just need to like get the food in before I can go and do the task that I need to do. Trying to sit and make food slower would irritate me. <laughs> it would make me <laughs> really, really aggravated. And that's not how I want eating to be. I want eating to be pleasurable and just kind of neutral and easy. And I like to go with the flow and do what feels best for me in the moment. So I'm not the biggest fan of like, quote unquote, mindful eating. And when I say it in that context, I mean the mindful eating rules. But I do think that it's an individual thing. And for some people, maybe if they experiment with it, and they like it, awesome, great. But you always have to check in with yourself and think how is and ask how is this working for me? And if the answer is not great, then ditch it. All right, I think you're going to enjoy listening to this episode with Caroline again. And without further ado, let's roll. What's up, everyone? I have a very, very cool guest here today. I think you're going to know why I wanted to inter interview her as soon as you hear her bio. <laughs> uh, today on the show, I have Caroline Hagen. Caroline is the creator of the site, thefuckitdiet.com. Now you know why I wanted to interview her. <laughs> she is an anti-diet writer, body image activist, eating recovery mentor, and an actress and comedian. She likes all things spiritual and irre irreverent. She is the author of The Badass Eating Workbook and The No More Binging Book. I loved uh, Caroline's unapologetic, unapologetically explicit and direct approach. So I was pretty excited to ask her to be on the podcast today. So welcome to the show. 
Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I'm just so glad I found you. I was like, oh my God, who's this woman? She's so awesome. <laughs> so <laughs> I was excited to reach How out. How did you find me? You might've told me that already. Um, I don't even remember. I think I may have liked your Facebook page uh-huh. at some point and then you know, the Facebook al- algorithms are terrible now. So, so you never see that? people's posts, but I yeah. happened to see one of your posts and then I actually went to your website and I was like, whoa, <laughs> this woman is, is, you know, so on board with everything oh. that I talk about. So, right. um, yeah, but before we jump into the discussion for people who maybe don't know who you are and your story, do you want to just tell everyone a little bit more about yourself? For sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it's kind of a roundabout story because I was in theater and I still am now, but I was a singer and an actress and super, 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 super crazy with food and body image. And finally, after like 10 years of that, I had like an epiphany essentially where I was like, wow, I am miserable. I... I am crazy. This is not worth it. Cause it was very like, it was connected and, and it, I thought that it was impossible for me to recover. I just had this like weird, I'd had like a couple, like I tried intuitive eating a couple times, but it was never real. It was very like diet intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. And then finally, uh, three years ago, I had an epiphany that I was miserable and crazy and I wanted to quit theater and I needed to heal my body image and I needed to heal my eating. And I actually did it all by myself. Like I had this very weird, strong, intuitive sense that I could do it by myself. And I did. Um, but I knew that I couldn't be acting during that. And also I thought that I was going to quit forever. But then I started the fuck it diet. And it was sort of my own, it kind of chronicles my own thought process in healing the way that I thought about food and nourishment and eating and body image. And it's, that has grown since then. And, and then even since then, I've gone back into acting and writing more and even more comedy. And it's definitely informed my, my art and my performing now, which is awesome because before it was like this big hindrance to being authentic and real. And now it's like the opposite. But I, I just, the biggest thing was that I knew that I had to heal my body image and that I had to be okay with whatever weight I landed on. Mm -hmm. And, um, that was the hardest part. I think that's some of the hardest part for, for, for anyone doing this. But, um, but I also knew that if I was going to ever go back into performing, it had to be under completely different emotional circumstances and mental circumstances where it came to food and body. And, and it is, and it's way better. (laughs) That is my summarized journey. Yeah. Um, So tell people what, you know, what is the fuck it diet all about? What it's about is it's essentially, <clears throat> there are people, I think there, there are a few people out there who like to eat healthfully and they have no weird, like emotional attachment to their body and food. Mm-hmm. But I genuinely think that those people are very few and far between, especially in this like weird place where our culture and society is with food and body image. Like, I think it's really difficult for women, especially to escape having a deep shame about their body and how they eat. So really it's for anybody who has any sort of disordered, um, painful attachment and emotional attachment to how they eat and how they feel about their body. And it is the anti-diet and it, it essentially is supposed to be intuitive eating without any of the rules and the guilt that intuitive eating, that learning intuitive eating can come along with. Yes. Um, and I like to switch the, uh, the focus from, from, you know, eating the smallest amount possible, which is what diets are all about to nourishment and, and seeing eating as a way to like fill yourself and, and nourish yourself. And that was a big switch for me to go from realizing that I'd gone through 10 years of my life 
like trying to eat like the very smallest amount that I possibly could in any given snack or meal. And then real, like I, my recovery happened in like a couple epiphanies that I like try to harness into like teaching to people. Yeah. But the, that one of the first big ones was what am I doing? This makes no biological sense whatsoever. No wonder I'm crazy. No wonder I'm starving. No wonder all I can think about is food. When I go through my life trying to just eat the tiniest amount that I can to, to go on not starving. It's nuts. And we, so many people do it for years and years and years at a time. And they think that that's healthy, right? It doesn't make any, it actually doesn't make any sense. And it's sad that that's how we experience life and experience food and experience nourishment. And I, I had this kind of like, I tried to flip the switch and say like, okay, well, what would it be like if I saw it the opposite way where it was like, ah, I have to eat as much as I possibly can in order to like go live my life and not need food until the next time when I get hungry. And that genuinely is a huge difference. It's like night and day. Because if you think about, if you have any normal eater friends, Mm -hmm. what do they do? That's what they do. They eat as much as they can. They don't think about it. They don't care. Yeah. They enjoy it. And then it's over and then, and their body handles it just fine. And what I believed and what many other chronic dieters believe is that, well, my body can't do that. I I can't handle that. I would, I would gain so much weight. I I can't, I can't eat a whole bowl of food. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Right. And, and it's, it's learned your body learns that too in, in the yo-yo state, of course, it's going to hold on to all of that and you're going to stuff yourself because you don't let yourself. So it's both a psychological and a biological kind of recovery that has to happen. Totally. I completely am on board with what you're saying. And, you know, it's that it's just your body's reaction to basically the restriction and the starvation from both a psychological and physiological perspective. Totally. Um, that leads us to having, you know, the, the rebounds and the, you know, the overeating and the like weekend sabotage and all that stuff. And then followed by the guilt and further than restriction to try and fix it. Oh yeah. Um, when you talk about, you know, eating as much as, as you can, how, how does someone, I mean, that's really scary for people. Oh yeah, for sure. And it took me, I didn't like go there right away. It was like a slow process of, huh, wouldn't that be nice if I could switch my mentality there? Um, are you asking how I, how people can do that? Yeah. You know, like how, how does someone move from a paranoid over analytical state to really being able to just say, fuck it, I'm doing this. I'm eating. I genuinely think that it happens in stages because for me and for most people, because eating issues are complete control issues. Mm-hmm. That, that's just what they are like in a, in a, you know, spiritual sense as well. And when I first, so I had, I personally to go on my personal experience and also based on the experiences I have with the people that I work with and the clients that I coach, people have an epiphany or a deep intuitive sense that they need to stop dieting and they really mean it and they really want it. But then the actual letting go happens in stages. Mm -hmm. So you almost have to prove to yourself slowly And there are people who don't do this, who are like, you know what? I totally like, I just let go. I just realized and I just stopped and it's been great. There are a couple of people who can do that and it's rare. So don't feel bad, badly if, if, you know, that's not you, but to start eating more or eating foods that you were afraid of before. And you almost have to prove to yourself, to your brain and your body that it's going to be okay. And I, I think it happens in increments. You'll, you'll do it for a couple months and then realize, Hey, okay, I'm still hanging on here. I'm still worried about this kind of food. I'm still worried about when I eat, you know, when I finish my plate or when I, you know, eat this much, I still have this thought that blah, blah, blah. And it, it, you know, examining our beliefs about nourishment and eating and weight and metabolism, that's all part of it too. As we start this journey, we need to go back and figure out, you know, 
what do we believe about this and how did we get here and how do we kind of unlearn all of these fears? And it's a slow process and it's really scary, but ultimately so rewarding and so liberating. Yeah. And I think that, um, so many, I think the biggest fear would be, I'm going to, I'm going to blow up. I'm going to be, I'm going to gain weight. And, um, you know, in, in my experience, some Mm -hmm. people do like myself because my body was operating at a place where I, it was constantly fighting against its natural body state where it needed to be. Um, uh, whereas, but then it levels out, you know, like, it does. this was my own personal experience, you know, it, it then leveled out. And mm-hmm. now, you know, when I go on vacation, it's not like I gain seven pounds that I never lose again, which used to happen. Right. Right. Now I go on vacation and yeah, I might gain a couple pounds, but then it goes right back down like a week later exactly. and it's not a big deal. Exactly. That is actually a huge shift that I found as well. Um, and I had this weird belief that this would happen too. There was sort of no proof. I mean, people do talk about weight set points and, um, energy expenditure, you know, equilibrium. And, but it's kind of not, I don't know, it's sort of this like otherworldly thing that you might read about occasionally that because so much, even doctors believe in talk about diets, you know, like in versus out. And I just had this weird belief that, I could completely normalize my metabolism, even though I found very little proof that I could do that. And I, um, I, I had this experience in the spring, um, first time since fully recovering eating and the way I thought about eating that I gained some weight because of a breakup. I don't even know how I don't, I wasn't eating very differently, but I did. I gained probably like five to 10 pounds. I don't know because Mm I weigh myself. And it was the first time that I met that reality with complete neutrality. And I just, it it was, I, and I was watching it happen in my brain too. It was kind of amazing. And I was like, ah, I gained weight. Oh, well, and I just kept on eating normally yeah. and went away. Like, I don't know when or how, but I lost that weight without doing anything because I wasn't fighting it and it wasn't a big issue. I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't binging. I wasn't, nothing crazy was happening. It was just, maybe it was the end of the winter. It was like an emotional time. And it just, I didn't resist the weight gain and it just went away. And I think that's just about trusting that your body's going to do what it needs to do. Exactly. Like that's exactly. such a huge thing. It's just like, is just like giving that up and just being like, okay, well this happened, you know, possibly stress from like emotional stress from a breakup mm-hmm. or, or whatever, like not, you know, making enough time for yourself, whatever it is for, for right. you or anybody else who's experienced that. But, um, I think so much of it is just trusting that yeah. your body's just going to do what it needs, what it needs to, to do. do. And it'll, it'll, you know, either it'll come back or if it doesn't, that's because that's, that's where it needs to go. <laughs> exactly. And that is the hardest part for people. I think, um, the weight gain part of recovery, especially the beginning. And you said this just not long ago is the scariest part. And so the, most important thing I think, and, and the hardest thing to do in the beginning of recovery is accepting or continually trying to accept the possibility of gaining weight and not losing it. Yeah. Because honestly, that allows liberation in the recovery process and in the eating process, because as long as you're afraid to gain weight, which is totally understandable. It's very, very, very difficult to detach from that fear. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but if you can, you can eat freely and truly start to listen to your body and truly allow all of the um, physical parts of the healing to happen without trying to control it. Because I definitely did. I did try to control it for, I would say, at least a couple months to six months in the beginning, I said to myself, I'm going to let myself gain as much weight as I need to 
but there was still that little voice inside my head that was like, but you won't. Yes. <laughs> and I, I really, and I knew I was like, no, but I need to, but you won't. And it was like this, con- it was a little bit of control, you know, understandably hanging on saying like, well, we're going to try to recover, but let's not go too crazy you now. And it ultimately was unhelpful, you know, because I had to actually eventually through time and trust and, you know, intuitive desire to actually see this through. I had to eventually say, okay, all right, I see. I'm still hanging on. I'm still afraid of this and that and truly let go even more. And once you do accept your body wherever it will fall and choose to have a deep love for it and a deep respect for it, no matter what, the healing process can actually fully occur. Yeah. And I think you have to almost like mourn, you know, the loss of, of that image that you've so, you know, so tried so hard to achieve. And, uh, and, and that's, I mean, it's not easy, easy to do that. Um, you know, like, did, was there anything specific that helped you to, to do, to kind of, you know, mourn the loss of that and yes, and to just accept, accept the body change? Yes. Uh, a couple things. First thing was that I realized, first of all, that I'd never actually been happy or confident when I was my thinnest. Mm-hmm. Me too. And totally actually realizing that. that like it was truly a fantasy. This life that I wanted, that I thought that I would get when I was finally thin was a complete fantasy. And the things that I imagined, you know, going along with that didn't necessarily exist because of thinness. Now I do have to say, I did idolize my thinnest times. Like I would look back and be like, Oh, I fit into so many clothes. I looked so good. Look at that picture of myself. But when I actually remembered being there, it was almost more neurotic because I was so afraid to lose it. Mm -hmm. And I, and, and, and I became aware that my life wasn't actually better when I was there, like when I was thin, I was like, well, this isn't that great. Yeah. (laughs) And so kind of genuinely seeing that for what it was, and you don't want to, because, because the, the dream of being this like skinny, perfect person is so alluring that to let go of that is you do have to mourn that you're right. And you have to kind of see it for what it is. And you're losing this like possibility of perfection. Mm -hmm. But then the, the, the thing that you have to, I guess, replace it with is the realization that all of that happiness and confidence and excitement can happen at any time. And that that's kind of yours for the taking, no matter what you look like and no matter what your body looks like, that is the reward for letting go of that fantasy. Mm -hmm. So there's that. That's one. Two is I started to, I started to do a lot of reading about fat activism and body image. And I started looking up a lot of plus size models and I started looking up a lot of body positive, like Pinterest boards and blogs and genuinely just shifting my, uh, perception of weight Mm-hmm. And what beauty was, that was the scariest thing to me because before it was like, it was like a fact that skinny equaled beauty and success. And then really questioning that and trying to like replace my beliefs and my images associated with beauty was really, really empowering, extremely empowering to look at these, even, well, plus size models are helpful because you could say, Oh my gosh, you know, I, it's a totally new way to look at beauty in quotes, but also just like anybody, any fat woman who is confident and putting up a picture of herself in cute clothes or whatever on Pinterest or on a blog is another eye opening thing about confidence and really realizing that truly beauty really is completely 
perception-based and confidence-based. If people love themselves and treat themselves well, and it really does shine from the inside, first of all. And I was able to reframe what I believed was beautiful in myself and others. And that was amazing because I, it was like a, a way of seeing the world that I didn't think could ever exist, but incredibly empowering for me to let go of my tyrannical, you know, way of seeing myself and my body. Yeah. I love, I love that you brought that up. That's actually one of the exercises I do, um, in like with my clients and and I did myself was like, I, and I do like, I have people that I suggest, um, that women follow on Instagram and Mm -hmm. I have my own Pinterest boards with plus size models Mm -hmm. and body image. And I just, you know, I encourage people to do that. And even just spending, you know, five minutes a day, which is probably what you do when you're, you know, like, farting around on your phone at the grocery checkout line. And it just, it honestly, it's, it is amazing how much it works. It does work. Yeah. It it was a huge (laughs) part of my recovery. Genuinely. Yeah. Huge part of my recovery. Yeah. And I think it's also like, you know, what you're saying is you have to ask yourself at your current body, like, how is that really serving you? Mm. You know, like how, Mm. yes, you can fit into some really cute clothes and you have to mourn the loss of that. Like I, Mm. you know, when I had to throw out thousands of dollars worth of designer jeans and clothes that just didn't Mm. fit me anymore because, you know, I, it was this crazy shit that I was doing to try and stay at that weight. But, Mm. um, you know, that sucks. But from a mental perspective, how is that body, you know, how is that body really serving you? Uh, you know, are you happy? Are you spending time thinking about fun things and not like meal planning all the time? Right. And shit oh like my that? God. I, I can't even tell you how my brain space and the, the things that take up my brain space have changed since, not thinking about food. I mean, also I went from the person who thought about food genuinely every moment of every day. I thought about what I had eaten, what I was going to eat, what I should eat, on and on and on and on and on. I went from that person who like, when people would say that they forgot to eat, I would like not believe them because I didn't (laughs) understand a world where you could forget to eat. Yeah. Like, Oh, (laughs) all right. Sure. You forgot to eat. Cause I saw like everyone and everything through my like disordered eating you know, brain. Totally. <laughs> um, now I, I genuinely have become somebody who will leave the house in the early afternoon and be walking to the subway. I live in New York and say, shit, I forgot to eat. I genuinely forget because I am focusing on a million other things, which is amazing because of the shift in my brain. And now it's gotten to the place where I'm like, okay, Caroline, you need to like organize yourself a breakfast and a lunch. Cause then I, I mean, I make, I always make up for it and it's in this completely like non obsessed way of like, I know that I need lots of food then since I forgot to eat in the beginning of the day and I eat as much as I possibly can. And that's another shift for me. Like that was my shift in like amounts. I always used to believe that like I had to like space it out. So you like this like very regimented, way of like eating, you know, 200 calories and then three hours later, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's all about that. And now it's honestly, I also like today I ate like a huge breakfast because I remembered to, and I wanted to, it's not that I like forget to eat every day, but there are times when I do, and I just can't believe it because of the person that I used to be. Mm-hmm. And, and now I'm focusing on all these creative projects and all these fun awesome things that, you know, is really exciting for me to do and like soul filling and life affirming. And that's where my energy is going. And food is just this like wonderful, nourishing, delicious, completely neutral part of my life. And so is my book. That's awesome. I love the way you said that. So, you know, talking about one of the biggest things you did, which was, you know, uh, you know, immersing yourself in kind of looking at like, you know, changing your perception of beauty that, which you mm-hmm. mentioned, like looking at yeah. plus size models and fat acti- activism and you're an actress too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how do you feel about the way 
that Hollywood portrays body image. You know, like when women who aren't thin are automatically given roles where they're portrayed as, you know, non-sexual mm. and mm-hmm. like often humorous, you know, like if you take, oh, yeah. for example, Melissa, Melissa McCarthy, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think Lena Dunham has done a good job oh, of I like really pushing the boundary there and being like, okay, I am, you know, I do not fit this ideal thin mold, but I am still a sexual, uh, feminine being, but there's also like, she gets a ton of, of, of backlash. Like there's still so much ignorance. So, you know, how do you, like, how do you feel about this whole situation? Oh, I feel so strongly. (laughs) Um, Lena Dunham is seriously huge for me because also she became, a big star and girls became a big thing right around the time when I was doing my own healing Mm -hmm. about body and food. And so she was huge for me. Um, and I still think that what she does and the way that she sees body and, and portraying weight is completely just like so necessary and so groundbreaking Mm -hmm. because if you think, if she had listened to anybody who might have given her advice in the industry, they would have said, Oh, you can write. You're so funny, but you know, you, you wouldn't be the one to act in your show. You know, if she had listened to other people's advice, manager's advice, et cetera, she would never have been the huge star that she is. Instead, she just said like, fuck it. I'm like, I'm going to do this. This is what I'm going to do. I don't care. And that is so powerful because so many actors and non-actors think like, this is just the way it is. Like, I can't change it. Nobody will ever see me as anything more than, you know, fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. And it really, really is possible. She is proof to me and others that it really, really is possible to have your own opinion and believe in yourself in a specific way and make it happen no matter what other people might say. So she is unbelievable. I love her so much. Um, even if you don't like, like, I have friends that are like, yeah, I don't really like her, her writing. Like I don't really connect with her writing. That's fine. You don't have to, you, there's no way to, that everyone can reach everybody, but these friends of mine are so like, yeah, but I think that what she's doing with body image is really great. So like just alone in that, I mean, I think she's absolutely hilarious as well, but just alone in the, you know, believing in herself and offering a new perspective on women's roles and type and weight is so huge. But I personally, um, I had this really crazy belief about myself and my weight and my looks and what roles I could and could not play. Um, I mean, I started in musical theater, so I'm a singer and I did, and I did and do a lot of musical theater and theater. And I live in New York, um, and comedy and improv and stand up and writing my own shows has been something that I have started since Nice, kind of my, my leaving theater and realizing that I wanted to be able to kind of say my own thing. Mm -hmm. But before then I, I genuinely tied my worth, not only acting and career wise, but in life because of that to my body, my weight and what I believed I could like, could be cast in. It was just, they were so tied together. I I couldn't even see, I couldn't even see what was happening. It was just like the way that I felt about myself. And I definitely think that the media teaches young girls that they are worth, they are worth a story. You're, you're right in that they're worth a story. They're worth a love life if they look like this, if they fit into this box and everyone else needs to try and work very hard to fit into that box before they can have an exciting life. That's worth being chronicled basically like the stars of all the shows, the the stars of all the movies, the people who are worth having a story are these beautiful thin people and everyone else is just on the side. And I watched, actually, I watched a TED talk recently about 
beauty. And this woman, I forget what her name was. I should look it up and send it to you. Yeah. Um, it was about beauty sickness. She called it beauty sickness. And it was about the way that women respond to models and actresses by then believing that they are not as good and they are not as worthy as these people. And she calls it beauty sickness. And the cool thing that she said, because I have wondered this as well, she's like, there's nothing wrong with beauty. There's nothing wrong with being attracted to beautiful people. There's nothing wrong with, with wanting to look at beautiful people. That's the way our brains are wired as humans. We are attracted to beauty. Mm -hmm. And of course, beauty is also relative. So that's important as well. But, and also perception based, based on what we learn and, and, and believe, but the actual attraction to beautiful things and beautiful people is not bad. It's just the intensity that our culture has and the complete um, lack of confidence that it gives so many people that is the sickness, the belief that we need to be a certain way and the emotional pain that that brings that is actually what we need to get away from. And that does lie in giving you know, face to more people giving, you know, having more diversity in our models and our actors and the stories that we tell. And that will all help with that. But, but I kind of like that she, cause I think that, that that's an argument like, Oh, well, I talk about body image in the media and in, in TV and movies with some friends and some actor friends. And some of their responses are, Oh, well, it's okay. It doesn't need to be real life. People, you know, people are attracted to beautiful faces. So that's always what's going to be in movies. Mm -hmm. And, and I, that was a really hard thing for me to like kind of cope with for a while. Cause I was like, but wait, no, but there should, I get it. I agree. I think that like, I kind of agree, but I also believe that there needs to be more, like there needs to be more diversity represented. And and I, I still, so I still think that that's true. And I think that our definition of beauty can definitely expand and grow as a culture and as a society in the media. And I think it's starting to, but definitely not fast enough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I just, it like, and I, and I see this with, it's a thing with like female comedians often that, mm. you know, sometimes they bash themselves to get laughs. Like, mm. so, you know, do you think it's okay for a woman to use humor to discuss body image? Um, you know, and I'll, maybe I'll give an example, like, uh, you know, Mindy Kaling, who mm -hmm. you know, she has the TV show, the Mindy project, mm -hmm. yeah, like yeah, she yeah. openly kind of like joshes about her weight on the show, like calling herself chubby or, you know, whatever. Um, like, do you, you know, do you think yeah, that that's think... acceptable or does that hinder this body acceptance movement? I, I really like Mindy Kaling and I, I've thought about this a lot because I read her book and I thought it was really funny, but yeah. one of the chapters is about how she, loves dieting because yeah. she loves and it's funny and she has like a humorous view of it so she she is aware I think I, I don't know I think she's probably a little bit she definitely has like a disordered um relationship to her body and to eating because of her talk about loving going on diets and like genuinely wanting to start like, or wanting to be able to lose weight, but being okay with the fact that she, I guess she can't. So it's weird. And I, and I've thought about it a lot. And I think that, I think that she is doing, I honestly think she's doing the best she can. Yeah. And I think that she has good intentions and I, and thank God she loves herself and believes in herself and believes that she should be the star of a show and believes that, you know, she does like, she does, I can tell that she does believe that she is worth dressing nicely and ha having like a love, you know, being like the, the romantic lead of this show. And I don't know, she is, she is, it's complicated. I think about her and her show a lot 
because there's a part of her that's playing into the like, uh, I'm like not together. I'm not skinny. Like, yes. woe is me. And there's a part of her that's like, but I'm also awesome. And I'm just like an average girl living in a, you know, skinny obsessed society. So this is like gonna reach people. And this is gonna, this is my way of like telling my story because I'm awesome and worth it and deserve to wear all these awesome clothes and have this show all about me. So I don't know. It's, it's, I, I struggle with figuring out whether her voice is good for the body image, you know, media conversation or whether it's like, keeping it the same. I, I think it's a step in the right direction. I really do. Yeah. It's I, I, you, you basically like could have taken the thoughts out of my head because I like, <laughs> I love her. I read her book. I love, uh-huh. I love the show. And I actually do think about it a lot too, whether yeah. she's doing a disservice or not. I and know. I sort of feel like, you know, it's almost, she almost uses it to her, like at her advantage to mm-hmm. like, sometimes I just think, Um, you know, she's kind of crapping on herself to, to, to like, you know, ward off possible judgment. Um, but then at the same time, like she's, she's, uh, she's so smart. She's so funny. Mm -hmm. Uh, she has her own TV show at whatever age she is at, you know, she's the big star. She does not look like, you know, like the new girl, <laughs> like, right, you know, exactly. and so exactly. y- you've got to like give her credit for, for that. So, um, totally. yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think there is an answer. Um, it's interesting. It's like, it's a really interesting view into kind of where this industry is going with body image, where it could go, where it's still kind of, like a little skewed. It's really because she and Lena Dunham are my two big examples of like, okay, things are happening and they're two different examples and they're two different stages of things happening. Mm -hmm. But like, they are the two people that I think of and that I go to when I talk about the media and body image and like steps, like progress essentially. Yeah. And so you, you know, you live in New York, you're in kind of a bit of a toxic environment, like where appearance is valued Mm -hmm. above everything else. And I know, Mm -hmm. you know, the women that I work with who live in a place like LA, like they really struggle with body image. I think LA is from what I hear worse. I think so. Oh, I think it's a lot. New York has its weird, quirky, bizarre, like New York is a weird place and I love it for that. I love mm-hmm. the diversity. There is a lot of diversity in New York and and I think LA is like not. I think LA is super 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 image based in yeah. a way that I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to live there, I don't yeah. think. Yeah, I mean, how does a woman who lives in that type of environment how, like how does she embrace her body? I I am going to speak on some, a personal experience that I went through this summer because I, along with many other people, and you probably, um, experienced this as well. I saw my existence, like, and the way, like everything that I did, I saw through the eyes of other people or what I assumed other people thought of me and Mm -hmm. saw in me. And, uh, and it was not good. It was very, like, I just judged myself constantly. And I just thought that everybody was wondering like, why, why is she here? Why does she think she can audition for this? Why is she like, look, she's not, I had like a, I used to babysit and I had this like fear all the time that the skinny mothers would be like, she's not a mother. (laughs) Why is she, why is she bigger than me? I've given birth. Like I had all these weird, like things that I thought people were thinking about me, which They may have been, but they probably weren't. Um, and the the moral of the story is it really doesn't matter if they were thinking that because fuck them, literally. Yeah. But I, so finally, you know, I did, was trying to do all my healing on not caring what other people thought and, and liking myself first and, you know, it not mattering what other people thought. And <clears throat> this summer, and, and, and I really did feel that I had, healed that. And, um, certain things in my life proved that to me. But this summer I was at the beach in a bathing suit 
walking, like walking down to the water. And I had like an old thought of like, Oh, like I want like seeing myself from the outside again in this worry way. And I was like, I wonder what those people, you know, think, think like uh, uh, those people over there, what they think. And my immediate response was, who cares? <laughs> yeah. Like literally who cares what anybody thinks ever? Like it doesn't matter. And I almost had this amazing empowerment and this, this feeling of like, if they think I look ugly right now, like screw them, who cares? Like, <laughs> even if I do look ugly, ugly right now, who cares? And it's, it's something that like did not happen quickly for me, but it was a process getting to this place of like, truly who cares? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> being, being ugly feels like the worst thing in the world. And, and I put, I say being ugly in quotes, because what does that even mean? Right. But like, when you actually realize it doesn't matter at all, especially if you like yourself and you believe in yourself and you're doing what you want to do, who cares? And there are always going to be things like, you know, for Lena Dunham and other actors that are like, forging this path, like there are always going to be things, even for anyone, you know, if anyone tells you something, you know, that, that hurts your feelings, there's going to be that moment of, of hurt probably, um, we're human, but like getting to a place of truly liking yourself and not caring what other people think is possible and incredibly empowering and liberating. Mm-hmm. So for those women who live in LA, it's not easy. I would, I wouldn't want to live in LA for that very reason, but getting to a place of not caring and knowing that you're awesome and you are living the best life that you can possibly live and that you have important things to say and important things to do and really getting to a place where you believe that and feel that. I think that's the answer because it does exist. It's just, it's like, it's an uphill battle till you get there because there are so many forces that seem to be standing in your way, making you feel like shit. Yeah. And I think, I think it's also important to note that it's, um, it's, it's a process and there's like, there's ups and downs. And I think that if you're someone who's, who's felt this way before, it's going to creep up it never goes away completely. I think you just, you know, you develop the tools to be able to say who cares like yeah. so much more easily than you totally. did before where you would you know, not eat carbs for lunch because you were exactly. feeling that way. Exactly. You know? So, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. I, you know, it's a process. Like I tell all my clients to not expect perfection coming out of this like that's not the goal it's to yeah. you know it's to have tools to better manage them and to you know gradually see a reduction in the number of of like the amount of time you spend actually caring about that crap yes for sure yeah yeah and that's good like your uh, the way that you go through your day like I and many people go through their day feeling good or bad based on how they feel about their bodies. Right. And that also can go away and it'll creep up. It'll, there'll be a little thought of like, like an old habit thought, but the ability to kind of disprove it very quickly or to have a completely different relationship with that thought is totally possible mm -hmm. and, and really amazing. And also I'll like look at certain things like different Cause I definitely had this body dysmorphic, just like I saw myself, I think I saw myself differently than I actually was. Oh yeah, probably, and, probably. And, <laughs> Most people and I, do. And that was actually one of my like ding, 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 ding moments because I walked during my, like my last attempts at dieting right before I made the decision to stop. I walked past a mirror in my house <clears throat> two different times during the day. And the first time <clears throat> I thought, oh my gosh, I look so thin. Wow. Crazy. What? What? And I like was like uh, impressed and confused. And, I and then late, like a couple hours later, I walked by the mirror again and I was like, oh, I am so fat. Whoa. How did that happen? And then when I look back on those two different experiences, 
I actually texted my best friend during that time. And I was like, I think I have body dysmorphic disorder. <laughs> I just, and I explained like the thing and I was like, that's not normal. Right. But I would do that all the time. And just like, I don't know. I was so in my head that I didn't even realize how like weird that was, but I finally was able to like shine a light on it. And I was like, wait, that's not normal. Right. Is there something wrong with the way I'm thinking about the way I look maybe? Yeah. Um, and so it like, it truly happened in like small little epiphanies like that for me to, to finally get me out of it and to like have me be aware enough about what was happening to actually be able to heal. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so, it's so important to, to accept that, that the process and just celebrate the little milestones along the way as you become more in tune to like what's actually going on inside your head and like where some of these things are sourcing from and being able to, you know, address them and talk back to them. Totally. Do you have any daily rituals that help you embrace your body and be cool around food? Huh? That is a good question because I have pretty much been able to personally stop any, like I, I feel so, healed essentially that like, I don't need to do any of those things, but let me think about back to when I was going through the healing process. Mm -hmm. It was definitely looking up plus size models and body positive Pinterest boards and blogs. That was huge that like, and I replaced, I replaced, um, like gossip websites and tabloid magazines with that. Mm -hmm. And that was huge completely. Um, the other thing that I do that I did. And then I've continued to do because it's become second nature is see every time that I eat as like an important time to nourish a lot. And it's kind of difficult to describe, to describe quickly what that means, but that was my shift from let's eat a small amount, as small of an amount as possible to let's eat as much as we can here. Not in like a stuffing your, not in like, um, a binge way, but in a way that's like genuinely lovingly and, you know, nourishing yourself with as much food as you need, which is just a, it's just a slight shift in perspective on eating, but it, I think it changed my metabolism's relationship to food. It definitely changed my brain's relationship to food and just instead of like eating and thinking like, when should I stop? When should I stop letting go of that fear? And that it took a long time. It didn't happen quickly, but my intention was to get to a place where it just didn't matter when I stopped. Like it just didn't matter because I was nourishing myself and my body was going to be happy about that. And literally it's as simple as that. And I know that mentally it's not as simple as that when you're trying to get there, Yeah, but but I think the intention to have eating be that simple is huge. And I think that it actually goes a really long way because then your journey is the arc to get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's like great. Removing that fear of the perfect stopping place was huge for me because in intuitive eating before it was all about like listening, like so hard and like eating so slowly. And it was this weird, like obsessive, like fearful, like, am I doing this right thing <laughs> yeah. that is really unhelpful. Yeah. I really think that it just perpetuates this weird relationship with food. Whereas when, and I know that it's scary, especially when you're flipping to the other side and saying, I'm going to eat, but I want to listen. And I want to know what my body is saying. Like, I understand that it's hard and scary. It was for me as well, but at least to have the intention of not wanting food to be a big deal at all. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with eating quickly. I really don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with um, eating while you're reading or doing something else because that's normal. And if your body is, if your body and your brain are okay with eating and nourishment, you're going to stop when you around where you need to anyway. Yeah. And, and kind of removing that fear of doing it wrong was huge for me. 
Yeah, that's such a big one. Uh, and I'm kind of giggling a bit just because like, <laughs> I'm not, it's, it's so true. And I just, I see it with a lot of my clients as well. Like they'll come to me because they, you know, they love Janine Roth and they're trying to mm -hmm. do what she's saying, but they're like, it's just not working. And I'm like, yeah. you just need to like, stop trying. Like, just, yeah. <laughs> you just need yeah, to I... just eat whatever you want. Like, who cares if you overeat? So you're going to overeat sometimes. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> that is the hugest thing. And I still, it's, I think that's the last lingering thing, but occasionally if I know that I've eaten like more than I probably needed or wanted, which happens very occasionally. But when it happens, I sometimes still have the, this is okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then the response is, yes, this is okay. Caroline, who cares? You're <laughs> human. You're allowed to eat more than you maybe needed yeah. anytime because it really does balance out and it really doesn't matter. And I love Janine Roth because she introduced me to a spiritual relationship with food, but I genuinely think that her guidelines are very restrictive still. I do. Yeah, no, I love, I love her. She, she had a massive impact in my life, but, um, yeah, no, I, th and I think, you know what, it comes down to interpretation too. Some, totally. Some People want to apply it like a diet. Yeah, exactly. Feels, Cause they're still safer. looking for this answer. Like they still need to be fixed and it's like, exactly. no, you know? And so I think it, you know, it's context and it depends on the individual. So, um, yeah, no, she's, she's amazing. Like, <laughs> Yeah, but sure. as we wrap things up here, the last question that I like to ask all of my guests is what is the most fearless thing that you've done? Ooh, the most fearless thing that I've done ever in my entire life. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, or whatever just comes to your mind. <laughs> uh, you know, I genuinely think that the most fearless thing that I have done, and I wish it had to do with eating, but it sort of does have to do with body image was writing my own show uh, and deciding that I was worth it enough to, to perform it for people. Nice. <laughs> and that was a huge shift. And it really does have to do with body image and my like relationship to myself and my worth as a performer and a human being. Um, I never, ever, ever, ever would have been able to do that before letting go dieting and my horrible relationship with my body, because I believed that I was only worth something and that people would only listen to me or care about what I had to say if I looked a certain way. And I really felt that way. I didn't realize that I felt that way, but I really did feel that way. And since letting go of that, I am a, much more confident creative person genuinely I love that answer that's a really good one that's awesome and so where can people find you like how do you what do you have to uh, help people find me at thefuckitdiet.com and I write a monthly blog post but weekly email articles so if you sign up for my emails. I will write inspiration once a week. And I have two ebooks that you can buy on Gumroad. Um, one is the no more binging book. That's my newest one. And the other one is the badass eating workbook. That was my first idea of <laughs> my switch in eating. I had, I was like, I'm going to be a badass eater. Nice. I'm going to be able to eat so much. So badass eating was like my original, like, that's what this is going to be. And that was my first book. And that's all exercises. They're very spiritual and they're very practical. And uh, they're all the things that I did to get myself over the hump. And there, it's a lot of writing exercises and eating exercises. Nice. And I also do email coaching and phone coaching. And my newest offering is eating recovery mentoring which is in depth and they're like long packages and I work with people one-on-one -on -one and um, I'm really excited about that. That's been a really fun thing for me to start doing because that is what I consider myself now, uh, a recovery mentor. That's awesome. I love it. And I'll link to all of those things in the um, show notes for this 
recording. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for all of your time, Caroline, and sharing all your stuff with me. It was really awesome talking to you. I loved it. I should definitely have you back on in the future. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so definitely check out Caroline at thefuckitdiet.com and yeah, rock on. Awesome. Caroline is one of my favorite people to follow. If you're not following her on Instagram and Facebook and all her other platforms, you definitely need to do that because I just love the way that she approaches food and conversations about food. You can find the links in this podcast that were mentioned and a bonus link that I've added, which is the link to either pre-order or order the Fuck It Diet book by Caroline, which I am super pumped to read because I think it's going to be hilarious and mind-blowing. And it's probably going to be a guide that I recommend a lot. Again, I'm recording this in August, so it hasn't come out yet. (laughs) But at the time that this is airing, it's either going to be out or it'll be available for pre-order. So definitely get your hands on that. It's linked in the show notes, which are at summerinandin.com forward slash 144. And I will talk to you soon from the past in the future (laughs) on the next episode. Rock on. I'm Summer Inanin, and I want to thank you for listening today. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Summer Inanin. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this show. I would be so grateful. Until next time, rock on. Rock on.